Warning, the following podcast contains coarse language and spoilers for the film and the title of the podcast. Now hit me with that theme. Now playing movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, and look at you, sitting there. You think you're good people. You're not good people. Trust me, there's no such thing as good people. That's a weird intro when you think about it. That's the first line of this fucking film. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. But uh, like, what if you're watching it by yourself? You think you're good people. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Can you see now why I have a question at the end? <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert for later on the podcast, everyone. But one of my questions is, who the fuck are you supposed to root for in this movie? When the narrator starts off by saying, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a people. <laughs> I used to be like you, thinking that working hard and playing fair would lead to success and happiness. It doesn't. Playing fear is a joke invented by rich people to keep the rest of us poor. And I've been poor. Not as poor as Stacey Hurley for marrying me. <laughs> How are you, Stacey? Yeah, poor me. Poor you. <laughs> I'm super excited to be here. That's good. It doesn't agree with me because there's two types of people in this world. The people who take and those getting took. Like Kahu. How are you, Kahu? Hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Happy to be back. Have you been gotten took a few times? I know I've uh, taken you a few times, but yeah, you've been gotten took. I've been gotten taken from many a time. <laughs> I've heard you've been getting caught, getting talked a few times. <laughs> we sound like we're delving into Lord of the Rings territory here. <laughs> I've got no idea where to fucking start with this film. It's a 2020 film, stars Rosamund Pike as Marla Grayson, Isaac Gonzalez as Fran, Peter Dinklage as Roman Lunioff. Diane Weist as why is this Weist? Why is this Weist? Why is the Weist? Diane Weist as Weist uh, as Jennifer Peterson, who plays is basically Roman's mum. Chris Messina as Dean Erickson, and one of my favourite actors in the world. I'm talking about Isaiah Whitlock Jr., aka She. Uh, yes, yeah. Okay, that's enough. We get it. We get it. Yeah, it took me a little while to place that guy, but yeah. It. Moving along. <laughs> Judge Lomax. Isaiah Whitlock, of course, being from, from one of my favorite TV shows, The Wire. Here's a bit of trivia for you guys. This is a Netflix original film, yet we had to watch it here in New Zealand on Amazon Prime. Ah. Isn't that bizarre? It's really bizarre. Dan from Netflix and Swirl is probably sitting there right now chucking some facts at me. Which <laughs> is, is, No, Dan right now is, getting, is sitting there ready to chuck some facts at me when I horribly, brutally describe what happened here. But I'm suspecting that the production company that was making this film sold it to Netflix, but at the time they sold it to American Netflix, and maybe they had a distribution rights to, you know, other markets around the world. Yeah, my understanding is that films need to negotiate with the New Zealand government about what can be <laughs> shown here. It's true. I read an article about this. Jay, hello. Is that Jacinda Ardern? It's Quentin Tarantino here. Hey, I've got a new film I'd like to show in New Zealand. Oh, g'day, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair enough, bro. Sweet as. Where do you want to show it? Do you want to show it in uh, any of our two and a half cities? <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, because it's, it's correct, Day, that American Netflix is very different to New Zealand Netflix. Oh, we've got about 10% of the content. Yeah. It's bullshit. Which is probably why I subscribe to it 10% of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at the reviews for this film, we have an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, we've got a 66% on Metacritic, and we've got a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb. 
Our new rule is whoever's watched it the most recently has to give a plot of the film. But because just before we started recording, Stacey said, please don't make me do the plot. She's doing the plot. <laughs> Stacey, what's the plot of this film? Um, <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Okay. So the film centers around Rosamund Pike's character, Marla Grayson, and her partner in business and in life, Fran. Why has Fran only got one name? Anyway. Um, <laughs> she likes Cher. And they run a, yeah, they, <laughs> they run a guardianship business where they can become state-appointed guardians for seniors or those um, unable to look after themselves and, and their care, and if they have no family, and, and who can do that? And um, while they're at it, they just take everyone for a ride and sell all their assets and make a bit of money on the side. It's completely legal, but sounds horrible. Yeah, so that's like the basic plot. But for those of you out there that want to listen without watching this movie, what's the rest of the plot? Well, it turns out that one of their marks, Jennifer Peterson, who seems like a little old lady with no ears, you know, no sons or daughters or any oh. family. <laughs> <laughs> no ears? Where did that come from? <laughs> we see her wearing sunglasses. She definitely has ears. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit slow there. <laughs> so was I. This is why we shouldn't record this late at night, guys. Okay, so she has no Nose. immediate family. <laughs> Which they refer to I as a cherry in this film. I'm not sure why. But anyway, so that's a really good thing because obviously they can take her for everything she's got and there's no one there to defend her or catch them out. Because cherries are ripe for the plucking. Ah, there we go. Oh, they never did explain that, but I assumed it was along yeah. those lines. Anyway, um... The the story just keeps getting more ridiculous and more ridiculous as things go on when it turns out that Jennifer is part of the Russian mafia. Yeah, Peter Dinklage, <laughs> aka Roman Lunyol's mum. And then it basically becomes a cat and mouse game between uh, Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage. Yeah. She locks up her, his mum in a care home and he keeps trying to get her out. And it just escalates and escalates. Probably the best way to describe it. Yep. That's it. Eventually culminating in the two becoming best friends and starting an organisation together before she gets gunned down in the street. Do we say spoiler, spoiler alert? <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I've, got a new, I've got a new thing on the start of our podcast. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you that are new and haven't heard this podcast before, what we do is we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. We start with 10 that can be applied to any film. We then move into three personal questions each before finishing on either a listener question or a Patreon question. And this week it's a Patreon question because we kind of threw this episode together a bit willy-nilly given that I was supposed to be recording Justice League, Zack Snyder Cut, and thank God I'm not. I'm doing this with these two wonderful people, so... Wow, you'd have to do like a three-hour podcast for Justice League. Oh, God. (laughs) It would culminate in the sound of a gunshot and my brain's exploding (laughs) on the wall behind me. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get into the one that we always start on, which is the sandwich question. So it could be a compliment sandwich, hyperbole sandwich, or a shit sandwich. Shit sandwich if we give this a score under 5,000, compliment over 5,000 out of 10,000, and then hyperbole as a score over 10,000. Kahu, why don't you lead us off? What is your sandwich? Okay, so a good thing about this film. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious, really, but how good is Rosamund Pike? I mean, she basically just does Amy Dunn 2.0, but that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, she's just got that knack of going from really charming to just utterly ruthless in a heartbeat. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. 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 
bad. On the flip side, I thought her nemesis in this film, Roman, was very underutilized. Mm. Uh, mm. Peter Dinklage is obviously a very talented actor, and I mean, maybe maybe I was just thinking too much about the scheme he does in Game of Thrones, but I just think it could have been developed a lot further, a bit more about his his backstory, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can dig what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And uh, final good thing. Uh, I, I really like the scene when uh, Jennifer, who is Roman's mother, she's a bit like away with the fairies and all the drugs she's on in the rest home, and Marla comes in to see her, and and Jennifer just like just mocks her for the trouble that she's in um, yeah. for the whole situation. Yeah, I thought that was really great. Cool. Is a square out of ten thousand diamonds? Yeah, I didn't love it as much as I did Gone Girl. Okay, uh, and I thought. The pacing of the movie kind of lagged a little bit towards the end. I, st- I still enjoyed it though, so I'm going to give it a. I hate giving seven thousand type scores, but uh, I go. It's too easy to pick, eh? Yeah, yeah. I'll go seven thousand four hundred. What about you? I'd watch it again potentially. <laughs> if you have enough time, I'm on the fence. <laughs> okay, I'm also going to give this film a compliment sandwich. I totally agree with Kahu's first point about Rosamund Pike. She smashed it, was the perfect casting. Nobody else could have done this role. But um, I'm going to be more specific and point out how wicked her hair, makeup, and wardrobe were yes, yeah. for her character. Yeah. To- yellow suit. Come on. Who have you ever seen pull that off? Uh, Uma Furman and Kill Bill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that just shows how good it was. Bruce Lee and Game of Death. <laughs> I, I did have a potential question of... Uh, the mask? Like something to do with how Rosamund Pike looked, but I didn't really feel comfortable with <laughs> having it as a question. But yeah, that haircut... You're allowed to have a set of testicles, Carl. <laughs> that haircut was so severe. Yes, <laughs> like, Sharp, a blonde bob, and yes, and um, a lot of her outfits were just very sharp and angular looking. Like her dresses were figure hugging, you know, bright red. I actually read some trivia about her um, wardrobe for this film. A lot of her dresses were from Victoria Beckham's collection. And now that I know that, it seems kind of obvious they do kind of look like Victoria Beckham style things. Mm. And apparently Rosamund just went round there, picked them up, put them in her suitcase when she was in London and flew them back over with her for right. when she came to film the movie. Oh, so it's not like a line of Victoria Beckham clothing. It's a legitimate... No, no, no. Yeah, it is her, it is her fashion brand. And, the, and the, the woman who was in charge of creating the wardrobe picked out the items and Rosamund just brought them over with her. Oh, right, right, right. So that was my first good thing. My bad thing was... The completely preposterous survivals of people who should have been killed. There were many of them in this movie. <laughs> and that's kind of links to what Kahu said about the pacing. So as the film goes on, these ridiculous things happen. And you're like, for goodness sake, that would never happen. That person would have died by now or something. That just totally lost the movie for me. And my final good thing is... I loved the storytelling and the way pieces of information about each character was revealed to you over time. Mm. So at at first, you kind of would side with a character and then you find out something else about them and be like, hmm, okay, no, they're not so great. And more and more as the movie went on, it was very destabilizing. 
unusual for a story, but it was quite clever. Out of 10,000 diamonds? 6,210. Okie dokie. Cool. On to me. My first good thing is the first half an hour of this film is some wickedly interesting and well shot and acted filmmaking. Yep. The first half an hour, you're like, this has really got me hooked and I'm really interested. Unfortunately, (laughs) the shit thing is that the second or the hour and a half that follows it, the more crazier it gets, the more I lost interest in this film. Mm. I legitimately got more and more bored, even though the story got more and more crazier. And my final shit thing, that's right, shit sandwich, fuck this film. Hang on, your first thing was good. Yeah, and that's where it ends for good things. There's only one good thing. <laughs> okay. I wanted to, I wanted you to at least take a bite of the sandwich and buy it before you and get out of the shop before you fucking realize that I've sold you a shit sandwich. Okay. Yep, it's shit sandwich for me. But I'm with you and that it's like it just becomes more and more preposterous as it goes on. Mm. Like it just gets ridiculously stupider and stupider. But as you're watching it, you're like, the character wouldn't do that. Why is that happening? There was just too many of them and coupled with the poor pacing. Uh, so my score, I mean, I don't hate it, hate it, but at the same time, probably 4,100, I wouldn't watch this again. I'm, I yeah. think I'm done with this movie. I'm probably done with this podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> These two are going to take over now. Oh, well, it's going to be fun then. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. Uh, no, nah, I'm going to hang around. Fuck it. But we'll move us over to question two, which is the first of our Patreon questions. The first of which comes courtesy of Julio of the Contrarians podcast a podcast in which they rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. So they argue why a beloved film is crap and then, or argue why a crap film is, should be beloved. And then they do real talk and you find out exactly how they feel about the film. It's a great podcast. You guys should all go check out the recent episode on Showgirls. Top notch. Good work, Julio. And what would he like to know there, Kahu? Thanks, Julio. Uh, Julio's question is, what's your most controversial opinion about this film? So... This film makes out like Marla is incredibly intelligent, smart and witty. And at every turn, she can she is one step ahead. She can come up with something and she knows what's going on. Yet, in reality, she's a complete dumbass. She has got no personal security at any point. And she is so incredibly egotistical that she doesn't believe she even needs any. Mm. Even right at the end. You know, or even more so at the start when she gets pretty much death threats from a lawyer of a gangster. Clearly, you know, it wasn't said in that scene, but it's insinuated that something very bad could happen to her. And she's like, meh. Mm. Yeah, my controversial opinion is if you guys go back about a minute or two or however long in this podcast, you can hear me biting my tongue while Kahu was saying that this was an awesome performance by Rosamund Pike. Yeah. Wrong. You didn't like it. Stand of this performance of hers. All right. There are so many scenes where I was like, you are the female Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Like, you are just overacting and hammying it so much but There's, we love Nicolas Cage yeah I do I love <laughs> Nicolas Cage I love him I expect more from Rosamund Pike you know yeah. well you just need to get on board with I, this. I, no, no I don't no there's that one scene where she confronts Diane Weist and she's like being really mean to her and then she just starts doing this like bizarre head flick. It was like, you listen here, bitch. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's exactly what I was hearing. I was like, this is like Nicolas Cage. Yeah, there there is an element of phoning it in. 
Not phoning in. This is faxing it in, emailing it in, <laughs> phoning it in, carrier pigeoning, smoke signals. This is like literally bombarding you with a thousand different messages. It was like, it was like, I need to stand out from Amy Dunn. Amy Dunn was a cold hearted sociopath. I need to like be like Amy Dunn, but I'm just going to be like, well, what's the really version? sassy? I'm going to be real, real sassy. I don't give a fuck if you kill my missus. I don't give a fuck. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I'm not even there's scenes where I look at Peter Dinklage and he's sitting there with just this like bemused look to his face. And I was like, I bet you he's sitting there going, that's the choice you went with. Okay. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> I can see a new question coming on here. How would you incorporate Rosamund Pike into this <laughs> film? <laughs> Only if we do Nicolas Cage movies. I would love to see Rosamund Pike opposite Nicolas Cage in a scene. God, give it to me. That'd be cinematic bliss. That would be Sam's Oscar every year. Sam's Oscar pick. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was controversial. I just I didn't like her in this film. Sorry. Ooh. Uh I just thought the ending was a little bit too convenient, wrapping up all the ends. Uh, yeah, and that, that's to do with the how the film sort of drops off a little bit. I, I think the point it drops off is kind of around where the thugs go in to try and rescue Jennifer. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was when I was like, I'm out of this movie. Yeah, I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, yeah, I just thought the ending was a bit too convenient. But then I thought, you know, maybe Roman arranged all of that. It's like it's not it's not that far fetched. I mean, she's the the uh, the figurehead of the company, but I I just sort of feel the way he is. I don't think he would have really kind of forgiven the whole thing with his mother. No, like, no, yeah. of course not. Like this guy's a cold hearted, ruthless gangster. Yeah, want to be business partners? What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's yeah, but obviously w- money hungry. But, yes, which is cool. in one yeah. way they're using her for their own financial gain so you know like yeah okay okay so potentially yeah they would have got her set up done what she's doing and then once they realized that she was replaceable they probably would have axed her right yeah yeah Yeah. what kind of what you were saying before she's smarter or she thinks she's smarter than she is yeah yeah Yeah. fair enough uh question three also a patreon question comes courtesy of chris yeni what is it there stays what song would you have inserted into this film and where so we're talking about on-the-nose songs. I mean, Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train would have been one that I was thinking about. And then I was thinking, well, what's more on-the-nose than that? So I'm going to go with, we got to get out of this place <laughs> if it's the last thing we ever do. And, of course, talking about Alexi, that's his name, eh? The blonde guy uh, yeah, and yeah. his two mates when they started shooting their way out of a retirement home. <laughs> he was just, he was like a... Don't you shit on my MVP. He was one of my good things in this film. He was one of the few performers. As soon as he was taken out of the picture, I was like, I'm out. Fuck, he was my only guy in this movie that I actually liked. He was like uh, the Stormtrooper gangster. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good description. Uh, I went through a scene and uh, it stars our friend Alexi again. Oh no, it was when the lawyer couldn't couldn't pay off Marla. Yeah, and Roman's chucking stuff around his office, and I would have gone with the song "Maniac" by Michael Cimbello. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. The flash dance song, of course. Maniac. Yeah. Yes, that would have worked really well. Cool. Okay, I'm going for a Queen classic, "Under Pressure," and. It's going to be the scene where she is in the car accident. 
and she's literally under huge amount of water pressure. Oh my but God. also, please continue. <laughs> this is fucking bizarre. <laughs> but also, it's what a stressful situation. She's and she's got to get herself out of it, and it just gets crazier from there. Is it coming down on her? <laughs> the, the only way that could have been better would be if that was the song actually playing in the car when she yeah. went off the edge. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, God, I love you, Stacey. You never change. <laughs> Question four. This comes courtesy of Dave Baker. Dave has his own Patreon at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. On it, he posts a cornucopia of creative content. Yeah, essays on Medium, stuff like that. Oh, there's just tons of good stuff on there. Go check it out at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. And this week, his question is, which character from this film would have the biggest social media following and on what platform? I am going with Roman's lawyer, Dean Erickson. Oh, also, Because he's such also a going, sleaze. Yes. He's, he, the, he's everyone's answer, right? Yes. Yeah, he Christmas would be Cena, oh, he's the all man. over Tinder. He's just got that. <laughs> he's just I suppose got, it's a social media platform, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just, oh, he'd be so sleazy. He does that, like, <laughs> lean back thing on his chair. Yes. And just, like, has all kind of got the big grin on his face, like he's in control of everything. Just and, a massive shit-eating grin, eh? Yeah, just, yeah. Like, like he's stolen it from Ben Affleck. Just this massive shit-eating grin of just, yeah, I'm the man. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm g- putting a slightly cornier twist on him. And I just can't help but think of Saul Goodman when he starts going, you know, he's just this kind of, he's a gangster's lawyer, for, yeah. go- for goodness sake. And so he's going to have annoying YouTube ads that pop up every time you try and watch something. Uh, yes. He's selling his services. <laughs> yeah, he does. To other gangsters. He does seem like he'd have a, a lawyer's office and behind like a nail salon or something. Yeah. Eh? yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it is common knowledge that like gangster lawyers, like their number one place for obtaining new clients is from YouTube. Because oh, that's what yes. gangsters do is sit around watching YouTube. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly how they get caught nowadays. How the mafia syndicates get taken down is just they just see who has the most rampant YouTube video watching. I would have just gone with Twitter. I could just imagine him just on there just trolling people. You know, like people love following trolls. Just makes too much sense. Question number five, also a Patreon question, comes courtesy of Mr. Nick Haskins of Nikolai's Kitchen, a cooking podcast that's going to have Stacey on very soon. <laughs> mm, once I've figured out. What recipe? Yes, what recipe? They're going to cook Stacey's favourite meal and then talk about it. It's yeah. Be exciting. Yeah. Nick also has a promo at the end of this for Livestream for the Cure, an event that we will be involved again with this May, I believe. Yep, this mm. May. Yep, really looking forward to that. And what's his question there? Yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh, the question is, what type of meal is this movie, Stacey? Okay, so this movie is very long. And it's only two hours. I've watched fucking Snake, no, no, no. And I, Snack Zyder. Who the fuck is Snack Zyder? <laughs> I've watched Zack Snyder's fucking Justice League. No, no. So for the story, it is long and protracted, but it's given to you in small bite-sized pieces. So this is a... <laughs> what are you laughing about? Um, yeah, you like a small bite-sized pieces <laughs> oh, of things that are long and protracted. Up. So this is a like a 27-course degustation menu where each course is only like a tiny little like bite 
and it keeps coming and coming and the things get weirder and weirder as they go on and you don't want to eat anymore but the waiter keeps bringing these little dishes over to you and you just don't know what to do with it anymore. Yes, here is That's a, what meal this, is, this movie is. Here is a, uh, a, a chocolate chip biscuit sautéed in tuna mixed with peanut butter marmite and, yes. and seasoned with... Black pepper. Black pepper. And just like, I don't think I'm going to fucking enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm I'm on a similar vein to you. I went with a kebab. Because... A kebab? Yeah. Like, a, kebabs are messy and saucy and juicy and yeah, delicious. Yeah, this movie gets messy. But the, mm. here's the thing about a kebab. Have you ever had a bad kebab? Mm, no, not really. I lived in England. I've had a bad kebab. Oh. And you don't know you're having a bad kebab with the first couple of bites. <laughs> But when you discover you've had a bad kebab, it's usually during the second two-thirds or three-quarters of it, you've realised, hang on, this kebab probably wasn't actually for me and I don't feel very well. <laughs> That's what this film is. It's a bad kebab. Uh, Sam will like this one. It's KFC with the side of caviar. What the Ooh, <laughs> Because she she's pretty greasy and slimy, but she likes she likes to have this kind of this veneer of being quite sort of clean and by the book mm, and luxurious. Yeah, yeah. An, an elite, elite. You've yeah. talked me around, Kahu. I was thinking, fucking gross. Who the hell wants to caviar? <laughs> but yeah, okay. You talked me around. Uh, question number six comes courtesy of Emily Higgins of the Tasteless Podcast, a podcast which compares two movies. One that is pretty much universally beloved. You know, is Oscar nominated. People just can't stop talking about it. She compares that to a movie that doesn't get the love she thinks it deserves. So she's coming on very soon, April, I believe, to do Cruella with Stacey and Liz. Oh, look at Stacey's face. <laughs> just scrunched. We'll see what that's like. Just scrunched mm. like she's just been kicked up the ass. Is that even coming out in New Zealand? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> look at you trying to find escape clauses. <laughs> <laughs> We're already trying to get out of it. Anyway, what's your question there, Stace? <laughs> okay, Emily would like to know, what movie would you pair with this one to make a double feature? Ocean's 8. I don't really understand that. You're going to have to explain. Well, they're both about con women, and I feel like maybe comparing this to a bland movie like Ocean's 8 will make me appreciate this movie more. Oh, burn. You yeah, know Sandra Bullock's in that movie. Yeah, I know. And Emily's probably... Yeah, she's going to be upset. ...sending me death threats and making a little voodoo doll that she's going to start, start stabbing pins into. <laughs> I don't even think those two movies exist in the same universe. What do you mean? Like, this universe? Yes, both of those movies have come out. No, that's what I'm saying. They don't. <laughs> I'm not... They don't need to... Oh, my God, here's the Stacey answer! <laughs> no, no. Stacey not, down. No. I'm like, I just don't understand that double feature. Well, it's just a double feature. You watch one movie, you watch the next movie. It's yeah, like, right, okay. Yeah, they, they don't have to be related to each other. Hmm. True. Okay. Have you always been answering this question? <laughs> like, they've got to be in the set in the same universe. No, they don't have to be set in the same universe. Okay. Parallel universe. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a parallel universe at the moment. Uh, I would have this movie to follow the movie Devil. That Chris Messina is also Oh, in. yes. He plays Detective Bowden in Devil. Yeah, yeah. I love that film. Because you'd watch Devil because the antagonist is a bit mysterious until the end. Yeah. Uh, whereas this one, it's not. 
you know, the whole way through. <laughs> sure, makes sense. Hey, Sam, Very logical. You're in no position to take the piss out of other people's answers. I mean, it's it's, con- Fair. it's conceivable that this film also had elevators, so so you <laughs> And Chris Messina's gone from being a by-the-book detective to just being a dodgy lawyer. I can see that. It could happen. Courtroom-related. I've just thought of a new answer for this, so I'm going to give you two. I've got two what? double features. Devil Wears Prada. Okay. And I Care A Lot. Oh, are you kidding? I Care A Lot's your other double feature? I thought you were just going for a whole new double feature. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like four films. Yeah, yeah. Same one. Like, where the fuck is he going with this? It'll be a quadruple feature. Okay, and my. Do we need to let my, you have a little nap? This, a, this yes, is more like, more like a double feature squared. Uh, no, it's that's option A, and then option. This is an B. exponential feature. <laughs> option B, which was my original one, was I wanted a movie about caring where the people actually did care. And that's why I'm going with the fundamentals of caring. Oh, yes. It's a sweet little road trip movie where, oh, what's his name? Paul Rudd. (laughs) Yeah, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd actually cares about this kid and takes him to do some bucket list items. And one of them is seeing a giant big hole in the ground. Here's some movie reviews and 20Q's trivia. That was actually the very first podcast that we recorded. Yes, it was. Did we ever release it? No, never never made the light of day. It was like our road testing. We were like, no one would ever give a shit about this film, so let's... It's not a popular film. No one's probably going to care. Let's give a shit about this film. Let's let's try. See, okay. And it worked. It worked. And then me and Spanky tried one of the Star Trek films, I think. Release the Spanky cut. Release the Spanky... (laughs) Oh, you want to see uncut Spanky. That's what you want to see. Oh, no. No. Fuck no. It should not be released ever. (laughs) And that moves us over to question number seven, now that we're done with our Patreon questions, except for one that will come at the end. And there's a lot of answers for this, but what was the most preposterously insane leap of logic in this film? Uh, I touched on it earlier, but that a crime law would have such comically inept henchmen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! It was just, it was was laughable at times. Uh, Yeah, the rescue scene was just, so slapstick it was just like we're just gonna turn up here grab her and walk out the front door type thing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just no yeah yeah it was just no thought behind it but even roman is like preposterously stupid like she gets out and starts running towards the car and he just sits there he doesn't say the driver oh hey go drive over there and pick her up yeah yeah he lets her try and do like a 50 yard dash across the fucking car park yeah. And then just stands there watching her. I'm like, come on, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and the fact he was so easily kidnapped as well. Yeah, that's true. That's Car parking well. buildings are clearly a bad place to be, clearly a weakness in his security mm. system. But jeez. <laughs> just take a couple of thugs with you everywhere you go, always on your shoulder. Yeah, especially when you know that something's going down. Although no, he doesn't know that she hasn't died at that point, does he? No, he, he doesn't. Everything's done, but Hey, but talking about preposterously stupid, let's just answer my answer right there, which was dragging her, putting her in a car, pumping her full of alcohol, and then sending her careening towards a lake. Sure, makes sense. What doesn't make sense is this woman just snaps out of it and has instantaneous reaction, goes full fucking Michael Phelps, and manages to hold her breath and swim about, I don't know, 50 meters through a lake and get up the other side. 
For those of you who haven't seen it, she cr- like wakes up from her drug-induced nightmare, has full control of her faculties, manages to like slam into this lake, kick a window out, unhook her like seatbelt, and then just swims just for a good a minute. Well, you do know that adrenaline beats alcohol every time. Yeah, but it's not alcohol; Maybe. it's drugs. Yeah, yeah. Look, how many times it, it have you woken be- up from your drug stupor? Are you in any <laughs> any control of yourself? No, well, normally. Yeah, I've never been in a sinking car though. So you can't be not. So I can't be sure. sure. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we're going to find out in forty-five minutes, Kahu, and it's going to be the most craziest fucking night of your life. <laughs> Have you got a will? Who cares? We're out of here. According to you, you're going to make it, so yeah, you don't yeah. need a will. <laughs> okay, I've got a couple, but this yeah, the whole movie's got a couple. This might sound like very small, but it's very preposterous. That after all of that car crash, swimming, blah, 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 she still has her phone and means to pay for things at the convenience store on her. Uh, Like a card or cash. She's got cash, doesn't she? She brings out. How does she have cash in her phone after that? I feel like she doesn't have her phone. Or does she have a phone? I can't remember. Um, But she's like, yeah, I'll give you $50 if you let me use your phone or something like that. eh?" Well, she's got a phone. She calls someone. It was it was the guy's phone, I think. Oh, yeah, she took phone. it off. Yeah, she offered the guy fifty dollars, okay, so even how, though she's just standing there in her bra. Okay, so yeah. So how did she? Where did the cash money come from? Her prison wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's watched Deadpool two recently. <laughs> uh, question eight. What is it there, Kahu? Uh, question eight. What was the biggest dick move of the movie? This is hard, but I think I need to raise this because I'm not sure if it's going to come up. But Judge Lomax being just unwittingly involved in all of her, in assisting her with all of her crazy schemes. He just agreed with her on everything, in every court case, in every situation she got ruled in favour of. Yeah, exactly. Like, Mm. if you've got a repeat offender in front of you, you know what I mean? Like, you look at the the common denominator, she's constantly coming up with the same charges against her, the Mm. same arguments. Like, this woman is not letting me see my... Yeah. Father, mother, mother. whatever. Yeah. Like, surely you're going to get to a point where you're like, she. <laughs> yeah. The last 30 people who have been in here have been saying the same thing. Exact same thing over and over yeah. again. Yet she's still able to just, you know, rock up and be like, no, I'm like totally normal. It's fine. It's okay. Mm. I needed to sell a house to pay her bills. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How big are the bills? Yeah. This is supposed to be court-appointed guardianship, not a profit-making endeavour. I know we've got a question about this later on, but yeah, I agree. It's crazy, and like you hear about this all the time, of people just like you know coming into people's lives and getting people to rewrite their wills and shit like that. It's, mm, it's, it's very sad. Uh, so there's, there's a point early on, and Marla's surveying her wall of assets, and someone tells her that one of them's died like within a couple of weeks of going into care or something, and she's like, ah, shit. Yeah, and he got six months out of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have to pay the rest out to the family. And that's just total dick move. <laughs> Haven't had time to drain him completely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All I can think of is, like, Fran, like, how would you be in a relationship with someone like this? You know, like, we talked about Ready or Not, like how mm. they discovered the family's a bunch of murdering sociopaths. Like, Fran would have met this woman, fell in love with her, and then slowly got to learn all of this stuff. Well, and yet at no yeah. point she's gone, what the fuck am I doing? I mean, there's How can this person love me? How can this person I'm with actually love me if she treats all these people like disposable income, basically? 
Yeah, but there's there's a few scenes where Fran is just kind of just as bad as well and happy to go along with it. Yeah, it's a bit bizarre. Anyways, my one was basically everything Marla does to Jennifer. So anything, everything that Rosamund Pike does to uh, Diane Weiss's character. Because she's like, she starts threatening her, making her life traumatic and horrible and everything like that. And it's like nothing that she's doing to her is going to get back to Roman. Mm, you know, like mm. she's threatening her, like, I'm going to make your life a living fucking hell. It's like, who, why? Mm, you're mm. not going to get anything more out of this by doing this. Mm. In fact, you're just going to piss off a guy even more to the point that when his mother gets out and goes, you know, like, oh, hey, by the way, I've started a business with her. Oh, okay, son, this is what she did to me. Oh, okay, well, yeah, fuck that bitch. As soon as we've milked her for what she's worth, we're going to murder her. Mm, you know what mm. I mean? Like, why do you need to do the stuff to her? I felt like it was just, like, it was completely unneeded. Mm, mm. Yeah, she yeah, was already held captive. Yeah, that's what all, more do you that's want? That's all you need to do. Yeah. She could have let her have a happy life, you know, enjoying herself in there, and then she probably wouldn't have minded so much. Mm, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Anyway, that moves us over to question number nine. What is it there, Stace? What deep philosophical debate arose in you during this movie? How could she find this many dodgy people so quickly? By the end of the film, we see that she's established this company where she basically has a thousand carers over America that take care of these people. And the implication is that she is using all of these carers to milk these people for what they're worth. How do you find a thousand dodgy people set up the connections with doctors, with judges, with police, with everybody so quickly. Mm. Well, that's where Roman comes in, right? Because we're assuming he's part of a bigger gang. It's not just him. So he's got a network established, potentially. So you reckon he's probably paying off cops and Yeah, they would be all over the place. So they're just doubling down. And then finding, like, court-approved carers who are just like, yeah, you know what? Like, I got into this job to take care of people, but you know what? I don't give a fuck about people anymore. Why not just milk I, them for all their work? I don't think those people know what they're doing. It's kind of like a pyramid scheme. Like, they're signing up thinking, oh, this is a great opportunity to have a really good good job. And, it's, you know, and <laughs> that, that, those people probably do care, right? They probably do. They're they probably, don't, probably trying to they, do their best. They yeah. probably don't realize that all the paperwork they're filing, someone in the background is just yeah, yeah, skimming like all they, the money off. Yeah, they won't, they won't have anything to do with the assets or anything like no. that. No. Yeah. It's not a pyramid scheme, though. It's an inverted triangle. Is it in the office? I can't remember what that's out of. <laughs> oh, yeah, like the conjoined triangles of success or something? Something like that, yeah. It's yeah, 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 Silicon yeah. Valley. Silicon Valley, that's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. With the, yeah. Oh, Love it. Funny. Okay, Kahu, what about your debate? I just wondered if if you had uh, had Marla having one of your loved ones in one of these types of facilities, uh, like at what point would you just give up, you know? Like you're getting beaten by the law and the court at every turn. Yeah, at what point would you just give up or would you do what uh, that guy did? I can't remember his name. Uh, it's like Feld, Feldstrom. Feldstrom. Oh, Feldstrom. Yeah, and uh, just go we'll after just gun someone end. down. Yeah, 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 because you're just at your wits' end. So mm. it's a tough, tough debate. I mean, like, how much do you bankrupt yourself trying to fight this shit? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, my debate was similar, but it wasn't on that personal level. It was just on a systemic level. Is I just could not believe that this could be an industry that guardianship, court-appointed guardianship, can even exist. As a thing, sure, I I understand that yes, in extreme cases it might, 
but not for profit. Not not so her business clearly is partially legal, but mm. mostly not. Mm-hmm. This the whole idea of this guardianship. I don't really know what my debate is, <laughs> except for I just find that whole concept incredibly shifty, mm. and I just kept wondering: is does this exist like this in America? Because it's not something I've really heard of. I mean, it's conceivable. I think that it could exist. I mean, what we know of. Yeah. The American legal system through movies that we watch. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We need Al Woods to step in here. (laughs) I think for a lot of carers in America, they'd probably be really happy this film isn't even more popular. It isn't like an Oscar-nominated film or anything like that. Because imagine if you got into caring and that's all you did, and then a film like this comes out and then suddenly everybody thinks you're dodgy. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Anywho, that moves us down to our final question that can be applied to any film, which is, what's something from this film that you guys noticed that you don't think other people might have immediately noticed? In films, male nurses in care homes and psychiatric facilities and all that kind of thing, they're always like bouncers. They're just <laughs> like... Who, who? You're right! They're always tanks! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's as if they've... Um, blown out of the NFL or something and they end up working in rest homes. It's like, in a rest home, who, I mean, obviously this is a unique set of circumstances in this movie, but in most situations, who are they trying to keep out? And it's not as if they have to try and keep them in. I mean, they're old and frail. (laughs) You know. It's it's so true. It's in so many films. It's like they've got to have the big, tough orderly to come running in. What would be quite funny is if you were an actor in Hollywood and you were a big muscly dude and how you're like, oh, I get to be biker in the background or I get to be fug that gets beaten up by a good guy or all this other shit. And then one day your agent rings you and he's like, mate, I've got a part for you. You're never going to guess what it is. And you're like, what? And it's like, you're going to play a medical professional. You'd be like, holy shit, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, you're going to be an orderly in a fucking retirement village. Yeah. Where? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Not a doctor, nothing like that. Uh, yeah, they're all on the roids. Well, something I noticed, you won't be surprised to hear, was about Rosamund Pike's wardrobe. So late in the movie, we see Roman, he's in the ICU. Marla turns up to chat to him. She's got her feet up on the bed and she has two different coloured shoes on. One is yellow and white and the other one is yellow and black. White and black, Correct. I, I never would have noticed that. That's funky though. They were very high pointy stiletto shoes. And I actually Googled this to find out if I was just seeing things or not. <laughs> and it is correct. They are Jimmy Choo's. And you can buy some if you want mismatched shoes. <laughs> Do you? Do you want me to buy you a pair? No. Is that, is that you. why you brought this up so that I can turn you into my own little Roseman Pike? <laughs> no. I couldn't walk in those shoes. They're too tall and spiky and pointy. Mm. Do you reckon actresses learn how to walk in high heels? Learn how to run in heels and shit? Yeah, yeah, totally. They must do. (laughs) The thing that I noticed is that Fran comes to pick her up at the end from her, like, she's just done a TV interview, right? Mm. Done Mm. a TV interview, talked about the business. Yes, I'm I'm only 39, I've become a billionaire, all this other shit, right? Fran picks her up pretty much after she finishes the TV interview and then it's like, hey, how are you going? And then Fran goes, you did amazing. 
How the fuck would Fran know? <laughs> <laughs> Is Fran watching her on the TV in her fucking car on the way to pick her up? How Maybe. the fuck would Fran know? Yeah, of course. Maybe she's live streaming on her phone. But yeah, I, that seems implausible. <laughs> Maybe. We don't see her doing that. We see her driving a car. <laughs> because she's, I mean, she's probably done quite a few of these interviews too. So it's it's not it's like, just... the, like the first time, oh, look, I'm going to be on TV, you know? Yeah. And it's just general moral support for your partner. It doesn't matter if she went shit. As her <laughs> yeah, partner, so just... you, you're going to say that was amazing. I'm seriously calling into question every time you've been supportive of me. Did you actually enjoy my book? Did you actually like the speech I gave about us at our wedding? Yeah, yeah. Do you actually love me? You smashed it, Sam. Uh, I just gave a eulogy at a funeral. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What was the best part about my book? Well, I love the love story between... There's no fucking love story! <laughs> I'm just saying, for these characters... Our relationship's that... unravelling. You don't care a lot. <laughs> you care a not. <laughs> oh, my God, Sam. Okay, you are unravelling, personally. <laughs> yeah, no fucking okay. shit. Welcome to the last podcast of me Reviews and 20 Qs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be committed to a psychiatric ward soon, and Stacey's going to milk me for all my money. <laughs> it won't take long. Hey. <laughs> I don't know. My GameStop shares are going up in value, <laughs> and then down up in value, and, and then up in value, and then down in value. <laughs> Anywho, over to our personal questions. What do you got, Kahu? Yeah, so at the end, Roman has a business opportunity for Marla. To go into partnership, would you take that opportunity if you were Marla, or would you try and force him to pay the ten million? Look, I'm the most risk averse person ever, so I take the ten million, get the fuck out of there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've talked about this. He's going to be done with her in no time. Yeah. I would not trust him. Yeah. Although she is a dumbass, so maybe yeah, I would if I was her, the dumbass. Sure. I I feel I personally I'm, I'm the same answer as Sam. I'd just take the money and run because you just you don't want to be close to that person. Mm. That, but that's me personally. But I feel that Marla had to take that opportunity because this is her dream. She wants just more, 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 more. You know, like ten yeah, million is yeah. not going to cut it for her. But either way, I don't think she's off scot free. You're still going to have to watch your back with your ten million in in the bank. You know. Well, she just have to keep him drugged up. If, if she didn't take the $10 million. yeah. Yes, exactly. One thing that we seem to have gotten is when we were watching this film, we actually talked about how stupid it is when they come to these characters, how they are like, oh, did you remember the passports? Oh, no. Nah. And it's like in every single film that we watch of these, like these American films, at no point do they think any other country out there in the world might actually be better than America. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I've got to stay in America. Yeah. I've got to stay here. I've got to do a runner and live in America. Why? Yeah. Yeah. If you've got millions and millions and millions of dollars, there's like thousands of places in Europe that's great, in the Pacific Islands that are amazing. There's countries all over the place. Don't come to New Zealand. But there's places <laughs> that are really awesome that you could go to that you'd have a way better life yeah. in. Like you wouldn't be looking over your shoulder every fucking second yeah, of the day. exactly. Insane. She just loves the hustle. True. Uh, my second question, what is the one feature of Rosamund Pike's acting that makes her such a great sociopath on screen? I realise now that my answer has nothing to do with her acting, but it's her cold, dead eyes. <laughs> that is her acting, surely. Oh, yeah, because she makes her eyes look like cold, dead shark eyes. I suppose yes. she does. I suppose she c creates a 
non-comforting facial expression around the outside of her eye holes that make her look <laughs> like she's a cold, dead shark. She just goes into this, like, merciless killer, like, look. What's that? Mm, yeah, mm. it's like a bit of a, like a trance-type look, eh, where you can sort of see that all the empathies disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like, literally no one home of any human emotion <laughs> yeah, inside those yeah. eyes. For me, it has got to be her voice, that kind of deep, neutral accent. But this deep kind of rusky huskiness of it is just so it doesn't match with her physical appearance in any way. Yeah, it's kind of soothing and unsettling at the same time, and it's really off-putting. Yes, exactly. It'd literally be like the type of voice that you could hear on one of those meditation tapes that you listen to to put yourself to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And then halfway through, it just suddenly takes a turn. You're like, oh my God, what the fuck? It's, it's yeah, nightmares. She, she's hypnotizing you and over to doing yeah. things you don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> now, deep breath. Now, breathe out. Now, send me your mother's maiden name as well as the last four digits of your... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The primary school that you grew up at. Yeah. What was the first name of your childhood pet? <laughs> What was the second name of your child? (laughs) (laughs) You guys didn't give your pets two names? Uh, Sorry, Mr. Biggles. (laughs) Man, your poor pets. They would have had, like, fucking personality disorders. Uh, So my final question. Do you think Marla fell into the scheme and just kind of saw it as an opportunity or do you think she planned everything from the outset that is quite a nuanced question because i think personally before she got into this industry she was clearly looking for some kind of scheme like this to become Mm. rich and i don't think she you could fall into it there was a lot of um planning and thinking and preparation and she might have even done some legal study like whether or not she's a lawyer we don't know but she certainly behaves like one and there's a lot of research to be done so i believe it was planned that she would be doing this scheme outside the legal framework of what her kind of cover job is supposed to be I just feel like she's a drug addict. So she's had a little bit at the start and she just got off on it. And now she just wants more and more and more and more. So she never like started out to be like this, but I feel like she's said that she's been poor before. Mm. So I feel like she's gone through shit and she's just worked out. This is the easiest way for me to make money and I'm good at it. And then it's just got worse and worse and worse and piled on to the point where she's just like rolling with it a bit. But at the same time, she's just out to fucking screw people over. Yeah, I I reckon that She's probably been at court for something, maybe, which isn't out of the realms of possibility, and has maybe had a conversation or overheard somebody talking about, oh, so so stressful being the guardian for like 50 people or whatever, and she's gone, oh, what does that mean? And then she's looked mm. into it and gone, oh, I can make something of this. Yeah. Mm. And that moves me over to my questions. How would you guys have extracted your mum from the care home if you were Roman I would definitely have used more people, but a very... You don't, you don't think sending three dumbasses is a great idea? No, not really. You, yeah, you need to find some slightly more um, smart people to do that job. You know, I, I, thought, I thought the ruse was good. Yes, we're here for a tour, you know, da-da-da. Okay, cool, great, you get in there. But you needed a lot of decoys. And what do we know to be an amazing decoy, which would scramble the whole staff across the whole facility? 
is like 32-year-olds. Uh, what? Now, like 32, what, a girl who's 32 no. or a guy that's 32. Release no. the toddlers. Yeah, toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. You basically want 30 of our daughters in there. Yes, yes, because they go in there to chat to the old people. You know, they go, their little buddy daycare group goes down there for the day to chat to the oldies and make them feel happy and all of that kind of thing. And yeah. shit goes crazy. Kids everywhere. All the staff are completely tied up trying to sort out all the toddlers and um, there's no one for backup. Yeah, I think the juiced orderlies would actually struggle with that. I think that's a good <laughs> yeah, idea. they would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> uh, what about you, Kahu? What do you got? Yep. I'm, I'm going through the ducks on the ceiling just like Tom Cruise, complete with Mission <laughs> Impossible music, but not with Gene Reno lowering the ropes. Fuck you. <laughs> What have you got against French people, Kahu? <laughs> he was just useless. Yeah, he was just useless. <laughs> oh, it's a mouse. I can't handle it. I think, and I hate to bring him up because his character's name was Sam, and he was a sleazy, wormy little man that ran the hospital, or ran the retirement village, whatever, like the care facility. Yeah, yeah. He uh, was the manager, yeah. He's, he's the weak link. You know, she's like, give me five million or whatever, or, you know, and that sort of shit. And he's just like, I'm not going to give you that. Are you insane? You know, like the lawyer. I reckon if the lawyer had gone to him and said, hey, we're going to give you $300,000 for that woman. Yeah. You know, the woman that this other girl is only paying you two grand a month for. Yeah. Of course he's going to take that money. Yeah, yeah. Just turn a blind eye. You can just excuse yeah. it on security. And yeah. No one's the wiser. That's yeah. your weak link. It's not her. It's him. You've got to find mm. the weak link and exploit that. Okie dokie. Moves me over to my next question. At what point during this film would Marla have realistically been murdered? And at what point should she have just done a runner? I mean, I, we've talked about this a little bit throughout this podcast, but what do, you, what do you guys reckon? At what point do you reckon she would have been murdered? And what point was she, should she have bailed? Surely after the doctor's killed, you know, then you'd go, yeah, this has been a good run. I'll go somewhere else and yeah. mm. do something different. Like, go to a different town, you know. <laughs> you, just, yeah. you can stay in the States, but just yeah. go, oh. Go find some other judge and say, oh, I have a bit of experience in this, but unfortunately yeah. I had to move for whatever bullshit reason. Um, I would have probably taken the lawyer's money immediately. Um, yeah. She's got so many people on her books anyway. Like, It's not a massive yeah, exactly. loss. <laughs> she's got a whole wall of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always take the sure thing. What about you, Stace? I think that she realistically would have been murdered in a scene that wasn't in this movie. And that, that is shortly after the lawyer visited her. Yeah, yeah. A sniper could have just taken her out as she was leaving her office. It makes sense because they've realised that she can't be bought. Yeah. Even though she says to them, I could be bought. They don't know that. Yeah. Mm. But they're, what they're thinking is like, whoever's going to replace her probably can. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest problems with the film. And my final question. Were we supposed to be rooting for anyone in this film? That is a hard question because it does change as as you meet the characters. But at the end of the day, I still felt like I was rooting, maybe not for a specific character in this movie, but just thinking that there are potentially people in rest homes like this. So even Jennifer's character, even when you find out she's part of the, the mob, I'm still rooting for her. I'm like, that's a shit situation. She doesn't deserve to be in that situation. It's a mm. bungled you know, event that got her in there. It's not because of something she has done or her family directly. And you just 
can't forget about the first character that we meet, um, Feldstrom, who is going insane yeah. trying yeah, yeah. to prove his point. Yeah. And his mother is still there and she died in care. Yeah. So I still feel for those characters and just imagining that there are others like that, all the people on her wall. You know, mm. We don't meet them in the movie, but that's just heart-wrenching to think about. Hot take, but why is she, Jennifer, not living with Roman? It makes no sense. It's more that Roman wants to keep her at a bit of a distance in case she becomes collateral and all the shit yeah, he does. Yeah, keep her safe by, by distance. Yeah. I suppose. Which is why they only yeah. meet once a week or whatever it is. But I still feel like if that was your mum, you'd like leave security guards with her. You'd have people watching her all the time. Mm. You know, you'd do something. Mm. You'd do something. You would, certainly wouldn't be trusting fucking Alexi to be the one guy that knows where she lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting that you say Feldstrom, because while I, I did sympathise with or empathise with him at the beginning and that whole setup, when he shot her at the end, I was just kind of like, eh, you know, like he hadn't been part of the film. So I was just like, I mean, it makes sense for the film, but in terms of it being like a big character payoff, I was just like, oh, whatever. Could have been anybody, you know. You're on my level. Yeah. You've realized, because like, you're so checked out of the film by that by that point, you're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it didn't, didn't really matter too much either way. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Stacey's questions. What do you got, Stace? Okay, so my first question is about Roman, and were they actually trying to kill him when they dumped him out on the road naked, or were they just leaving him there to be found? I feel like they're trying to kill him. It's sort of like me when I come home drunk, they're sort of hoping for a happy accident. Right. You know, don't know what you're going to bump into, and you're sort of hoping for something good. <laughs> oh, God, Sarah. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about a bucket of KFC in the fridge, Stacey. So... <laughs> I... I think she was, she would have been happy either way, but I actually think she was hoping he would live. I mean, if if he dies, then obviously her problem with that whole thing is solved and she doesn't yeah. have to worry about him coming at her for the mother anymore. But if he lives, then, you know, he's drugged up as well and can probably get into his assets too. True. Yeah. Yeah. I, the reason I guess I asked that question is because they could have done something different with him, right? What leaving him on the road wasn't a surefire, definite murder. A solution to their problems. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, yeah, a solution. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was like, yeah, it just seemed quite Yeah, odd. which is why I thought it was yeah, kind yeah. of more a bit planned for yeah. him to live. Okay, is there anyone, any other actors working today that plays a sociopath better than Rosamund Pike? There's a couple. Denzel Washington springs to mind. Ooh. Gary Oldman springs to mind. You know, and then Cold Dead Eyes, what about Anne Hathaway? <laughs> <laughs> she'd be a goofy sociopath. Yeah, she'd be goofy. <laughs> I think it's probably a like a role that a lot of actors don't try and take repeat work in. Yeah. I yeah. think just because you could end up kind of like the issue we're facing with this, with being quite characterised. Yeah, like mm. like I was saying well, at the start. is what I mean, yeah. Yeah, like I was saying at the start, it's like... She wanted to be Amy Dunn, mm. but at the same time, she's tried to play her so differently that it's come off just really abrasive for me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anthony Hopkins is another one. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's fucking terrifying. Um, but the the one I I thought about immediately with this question was uh, Javier Bardem and No Country for Old Men. <laughs> That's a good one. Like, 
very different to how Rosamund Pike plays this type of role, but yeah, in terms of no shits given, yeah. <laughs> that guy. It was pretty bog average as a villain in that Bond film. So yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, what's your final Good, question? Yeah, Suze? great answers, guys. And my final question is, how realistic do we think the guardianship aspect of this film is in America? I mean, we've already sort of danced around it. I, mm. I think it's probably terrifyingly real. Mm. You think people can be assigned a guardian without having any representation in court? I don't know. That I, is I don't terrifying. Know. I don't know the ins and outs, but I certainly think that the people being able to be exploited and milked for their money, you see it all the time. Mm. Mm. You know, you see it all the time, whether it's like, you know, 20-year-old girls that suddenly find an interest in 89-year-old billionaires and mm-hmm. take all their money or, you know, or carers that sort of get the people to rewrite their will. You know, it happens in New Zealand. It happens all over the world. But I don't know. It's America. The legal system in America is fucking beyond belief for most of us. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, I could see how it could happen too. And you just need an intelligent lawyer or, or anybody with a bit of street smarts to yeah. exploit it. But, I mean, you do need to have quite a few things go right. Um, having a, a judge who is dim-witted and doesn't pick up on patterns for a start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like we were saying before, I think you you just need to keep the circle small mm. um, with with everybody taking a bit of a cut to stay in on it. Yeah. Um, so like any other kind of criminal enterprise, really. <laughs> <laughs> yep, fair enough. Yep. Uh, yep. And that moves us down to our final question, which we decided to go with Dan Brennick of Netflix and Swill. Given that this film is a Netflix original, apparently, we're not here in New Zealand, but we decided to finish on him. Uh, Netflix and Swill is an awesome podcast that you guys should all be listening to that covers all things Netflix related. Yeah, they basically do breakdowns of trailers, TV shows, films, news, ton of other awesome shit that you guys should all be checking out. It's just great. And Dan's question for this week is, who do we think was the true MVP of this film? And it can't be the main character. So I'm going to rule out Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage's characters. I think it's got to be Jennifer. She yeah. didn't... You mean Diane Weist? Yeah, just... Diane Weist rhymes with... Um, <laughs> wow! <laughs> no, that's, off, that's that Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference. It is. Uh, Yeast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where was I going with that? Uh, she, like, she doesn't sort of really do anything to deserve it apart from being the mother of a drug lord at, who, to be fair, though, probably does end up with the proceeds of that in one way or yeah, another. Yeah. But, you know, generally it's kind of not her fault in the situation she's in. So, yeah. Makes sense. What about you? My MVP is Feldstrom. Because I liked the ending. Yeah, okay, we may have not really cared that much about him. It could have been anyone. We did not care a lot. But, no, but he showed up, did the deed. If the movie had ended with her as a successful businesswoman, just jumping into the car and driving away, oh, that oh, that would have really sucked, in my opinion. Well, that's a, I mean, is that a controversial opinion, though? Like, would the ending have been better if she hadn't died at the end? Ah. Uh, yes, I, maybe it I is. I sort of think it, it would have been. been yeah. yeah, if she got in way with her crimes, I think it would have been, yeah. Yeah. You think it would have been better? I, I thought it would have been a better film if she'd gotten away with it. No way. No, like no, a, no, no. Maybe it's about American the only psycho, satisfying thing that happened in the whole true. film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah it just, very good point. It is about the only satisfying thing. <laughs> it just seemed a bit too neat for an ending. And a lot of the best films have endings that 
you yeah, know, jarring. Um, and yeah, more yeah. ambiguous or Yeah, make something. you think a bit afterwards. Yeah. Mm. Well, it did make us think that she should have had some security. <laughs> <laughs> and how and how you can get broadcast TV in your car. Exactly. <laughs> hey, talking about broadcast TV in your car. I mean, you've taken Diane Wee, so I'm going to have to go with Fran. The oh, reason yeah. why I'm going with Fran is because when Roman comes after the two of them with his boys, you know, he basically kidnaps Rosamund Pike and starts interrogating her, leaves Fran lying on the ground with a head wound, blood all over the floor, and Fran just gets up and shakes it off. You know what I mean? Like, she's amazing. She's, she's like amazing. the Terminator. Like Rosamund Pike goes in there, he like gets her out of there, and then she gets up and just walks out. It's just like, there's no way that girl isn't dead. She's <laughs> yeah, been yeah. lying there in her own blood with an open head wound for however long, and then the next day she's like, right, we need to get out of here. I'm completely level-headed. I'm not foggy at all. It's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who's taken quite a few knocks to his head playing rugby over his time, watching that made me... Incredibly envious, I guess is the best way to describe it. I thought it was pretty damn amazing. And I mean, the other one was Chris Messina as the lawyer. I mean, we've talked about him. Yeah, He's yeah. So good in it. Yeah, yeah, he was really good. Yeah. yeah. I liked that he came in for three scenes, Chris Messina, like literally, and you can remember all three scenes. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, was... you remember him in the court, you remember him confronting her, and you remember him at the top of the apartment just like getting shit thrown at him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. me, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck am I paying you for? <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, now, the more you say it, the more. If we're talking about an MVP being a very effective character, yeah. then yes, it's him. Absolutely. Mm. Anywho, that takes us down to the end. Thank you to these guys for joining us again. The Ready or Not team back again. Yeah. The Dream team. Yep. Yep. Suck it, Machu. Suck it, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> I think I say that for every uh, trio that. Uh, <laughs> if it doesn't, yeah. I'm in on for this podcast. Yeah, just like Stacey, you really don't care. Do you? <laughs> it's all fake. It's all unraveling as well. Anywho, thanks again to you guys for listening. Upcoming episodes, we're doing some more new films. Me, Kahu, and Machu are going to see Nobody, the new Saul Goodman. What's his name? The new Bob Odenkirk film. Yeah, it's coming out by one of the directors of Deadpool. No, or John Wick. I think. I mean, that would explain a lot. That yeah. would explain everything. Yeah. Haven't watched that trailer. So that's going to be next week's episode, and then the one after that might be Mortal Kombat. Oh, yes. That's not far away, too. That's not far away as well. Actually, I lied. The very next episode is going to be on Godzilla vs. King Kong. The We Watch the Thing Boys are coming back to do that. You might remember them from Godzilla King of Monsters. Is Godzilla vs. King Kong better than that film? Hmm. Just wait and find out. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews In, or you can send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. Alternatively, we're just Movie Reviews and 20 Qs on Facebook and Instagram now. If you want to follow us there, we occasionally post some stuff, and you can keep sort of a little bit more up to date, given that our schedule changes pretty much with the wind. Anyway, that's thanks from me. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, well, I I also am giving it a complex. Com- oh. <laughs> okay, you're giving it a complex. I think yeah. you're having a complex. Yes. It's too late for me. Is it past nine o'clock? Uh, oh, my brain just, shut down. It's gone nine. Oh yeah. Question number nine. Oh, do I get to answer oh, question so, eight? No. <laughs> <laughs> what was the biggest dick move of this podcast? It's Sam not letting Kahu answer a question. Yeah. As well, like I wondered whether if this was something Marla just kind of fell into, or if oh, you mean a question you've got coming up? Uh, do I? We watched a boy. We watched a boy. 
that we watch the boys. That's a very different podcast. <laughs> Hello, good people. Sam here again. And hey, we've got a very special promo coming up for the live stream for The Cure. We're going to be back on this. We're going to have more details soon. But here's the promo. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual live stream for The Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the live stream for The Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference.